Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Tom Moran here from Tom's Big Spiders. Yep, surprise, we got a bonus episode today. Basically, what it comes down to is I only used up uh, about three hours and 10 minutes of my allotted time that I get when I purchase my plan for my podcast. And rather than let that extra 50 minutes go completely to waste, which has happened a couple times in the past, and I just haven't had the time to do an extra one, I'm going to do a bonus one because it's the day before Thanksgiving. I was fortunate enough that my school gives me the day off, which is fantastic. Billy is currently out shopping for Thanksgiving for tomorrow. And I declined the invitation to go with her. She asked nicely but if, if I wanted to go, but she doesn't want me tagging along anyway because I always throw stuff in the cart that has nothing to do with what she's trying to shop for. So it, it works out beautifully for both of us. But anyway, I figured, what the heck, I'm sitting here. The dogs are in the background snoring. Let's break out and do a bonus podcast. I haven't done one of these since I first launched it, where I did two right off the bat just to kind of try it out and see if anybody would even bother listening to this thing. So anyway, to kick this one off, I figure with Thanksgiving coming up, I want to obviously wish anybody that's celebrating Thanksgiving tomorrow a happy Thanksgiving. I really do appreciate all the people that come on here and interact with me and email and that we go back and forth with and that spend their time listening to me rattle on on these podcasts. So uh, I figured what better way to celebrate Thanksgiving, which is supposed to be family coming together, than talking about maybe some communal updates, because I've had some people asking how things are going, and there's some exciting things coming in the future. Okay, not really exciting. I'm going to have to rehouse one of them and as uh, when I say exciting, I say kind of terrifying. This one's got me, got me a little worried. You know, we're really going to push it on this one. But anyway, starting off, M. Balfour, unfortunately, there isn't all that much to report. It seems that right around it, every year, right around the time where it starts getting a little cooler outside and the heat kicks on and the air starts to dry out a bit. And I do, for the record, I had I had posted something about this on my YouTube channel and somebody was like, you need to get a humidifier, you should get a humidifier. I, I do have a humidifier, but there's always that period where, you know, we go from like probably 60% humidity, 65% humidity in my house and it starts slowly dropping as the heater runs more and more. And then you have days that you'll have a cold day where the heater runs a lot, dries out the air, but then the next day it'll be rainy and the overall moisture levels in the house go up. So you kind of have that. It goes back and forth for a little while, but they seem to detect. Uh, this is just my theory, and it, I've noticed it with other species as well, like my Aphonopelma calcotas that used to basically start hibernating, for lack of a better term. She would just hide and take the winter off fast, bury herself, and wouldn't come out. But it was always around that time of the year when it's like warm one day, cold the next. It seems to trigger some. So even if I run, you know, by the time it's time for me to run the humidifier, by the time it's been cold enough for enough consecutive days that it's dried out the air of my house, I got to kick that thing on. They already seem to recognize that it's winter time, or at least a season where they might be taking some time off. So they tend to go subterranean fully at that point. Most times during the year, like during the summer and stuff, if I feed them, this is the big thing that kind of indicates there's a difference. When I feed them, I will feed them at night. And if I come down later on, you know, in the evening with a flashlight, or if I, you know, when I first turn the lights on first thing in the morning, I will catch a bunch of them out there standing up on their legs eating. And usually I can catch four or five of them out, you know. But once winter comes along, they seem to eat more in their dens. Like, I didn't even see any come out the last time I fed them. The crickets were kind of trying to get away from me and running into the dens. They were grabbing them up, and they were staying in the dens and eating. And even the males, who usually I find at least two or three of the males out looking for a female, either trying to breed a female, trying to breed each other, or just wandering around. And generally, during this time of the year, I don't even see them out all that much. Yesterday, I did catch one of the males kind of wandering around, and I am going to cup one of them pretty soon take them out and try to pair my solo female the one that I've had for years that's by herself because she's 
She molted about two months ago, and I've been fattening her up. Last time what happened was I paired her, and she was way too fat. I had this terrible habit of trying to fatten the females up. Or in one case, I got sent a female when my female was already fattened up. I was pretty sure she was going to go into pre-molt soon, but we tried it anyway. She did. It looked like a successful pairing, but she molted out beforehand. So this time around, I'm trying not to get her too fat, and then we're going to pair them up. So I'm hoping to catch one of these guys out, but that was it. That's like in the last three days, I've caught one male out wandering about. So there's not a lot to report, and I will say that the videos I post up on YouTube of the M. Balfouri communals are some of my most popular. There are a lot of people that just... I, I think it comes down to the fact that I and I was very fortunate and lucky that I was able to document it from the moment I got the slings and dropped them in the enclosure till now it's been three, I think three and a half years I've had them and been able to really, I think it's given people a lot more confidence when it comes to setting up their own communals because they see it can work and they've I've tracked it. I've tracked all types of, you know, the, some of the skirmishes over food I think were incredibly important because you got to see that, yes, they do squabble at times, but they're not trying to kill each other. And that was really important. We got to watch the males try to mate each other, which was incredible for me to see. Like, I didn't expect that type of behavior, honestly. We got to see the males, you know, try to mate the females and I've got footage of that we got all kinds of cool stuff that I really feel blessed that I was able to catch because when I first set out to put this communal together and I was talking to Tanya Stewart and she's like I think you should try one of these I'm like you know what I I don't know it just the communal thing there was such a stigma to any communal setup beforehand and a lot of net you'd hear a lot of negative things if you went on and posted on certain forums or boards you'd say i want to do a communal and they'll be like that's great you're gonna end up with one big fat spider or communals go great until they don't go great a lot of negative things surrounding them and i had done a lot of research on the m balfouri and came to the conclusion that not only can they be successful but they seem to usually be successful and even sometimes not under what you'd normally consider the best conditions or the best situations to begin a communal and so when I set this up, my goal was bad or good, you know, I was going to track everything that happened. So if this had gone horribly south, I probably would have been a pariah in the hobby for a little while. But although I, I'm hoping people would have seen, I felt terrible about it. But I did feel like there was that experimental quality of it. Let's track it, see what happens, good or bad, and show people either this is something that you should try or this is something you should avoid. And luckily... You know, I have to be honest. I honestly thought it was going to go well. I, every once in a while, you'd see something happen and go, oh, no, like the, the first squabble over food that Billy and I were like, I, if you remember, I had to cut the, the dialogue out of it because I think we both swore. We were both completely taken aback by it. But then to just watch them calmly walk away afterwards and the other one grabbed more food and they were totally fine. That was huge. So I, I did think it was going to go well. I'm glad it went well. I'm hearing the best part of this whole thing is it's no longer just my word. And like I've heard people say, that they, well, it worked for him. And which, true, true. I mean, it's only we talk a lot about how you can't just rely on what you see. You have to compare it to other people. But since doing this, having so many people that have gone ahead and set up their own Balfouri communals who've contacted me to let me know how they're going at different stages, I've been able to amass a lot more information on them. And that's been amazing. Now, one of the things that keeps coming up is whether or not they will breed in a communal setup. And when I first started off, I had heard from somebody that said, yeah, they've kept them together for a while. They've reproduced. It's, you know, kind of cool. They'll, they're great mothers, whatever. And then I've heard from other people that said they've ev- they have pretty good evidence that they will not breed in that type of setup. They'll get along fine, They'll get, but the females 
will not produce any young. And I will tell you, we have caught several of the males seemingly getting perfect pairings. You know, they, they, the successful pairings with the females, they get insertion, and I've yet to have any babies. And these females from what I would consider breeding size have been ready to breed for at least, eh, we'll go two and a half years. They've been, you know, right now they've caught up to my older female who I've had for, I think, seven years. And in size, and I would consider her to be, you know, breedable size, sexually mature, ready to go. And we've got nothing. We keep, you know, Billy and I joke because we go in there with the flashlight and we kind of poke in the dens because she's like, what will it look like? And I said, you'll probably see a bunch of little feet hanging out as they congregate around the mothers because the mothers are, if you haven't seen videos of the M. Balfouris, as far as their mothering, it's amazing because they really are nurturing mothers. I think that's one of the reasons why the communal setups work. And a lot of people that are into spiders and arachnids feel that the communal these communal characteristics start with the slings staying with the mother longer than they normally would. Instead of dispersing immediately, the mother takes care of them for a while. And one of the things, issues people had with trying to breed Balfouri back in the day was that they would do the normal thing where they the mother would lay a sack and then after, you know, 23 or 30 days, whatever, they would pull the sack and they were having a hard time keeping the babies alive. And people started leaving the sacks with the mother and found that they had much healthier babies. The mom would take care of them. There wasn't an issue anymore. So... I personally am starting to question whether or not they can produce, reproduce in this type of environment because I have not found it. I would have thought by now with as active as we have four males in there, four males and five females, I believe, with as active as the males have been, both with each other and with the females, that we would have had something by now. And I was kind of curious to track that. I mean, I was. it's been for me, honestly – Part of me wants to see it happen. It'd be amazing. And then another part of me recognizes the logistics of if all of these females had babies and trying to get them out of there, it, it would be a bit of a nightmare. It would probably end up with me taking the colony apart or the community apart. And I don't really want to do that. So still up in the air. I don't have any babies yet. If I have babies, I can tell people I will be leaving them in there to kind of see what happens. Hopefully they will get along. I would assume that if they are able to breed in these situations, that there's something in there where the females kind of don't fight and take care of their own babies because it would be counterproductive to have them murdering each other. But I don't know. Then there's that worry. Well, what happens if, you know, I have two females with babies and one of them decides that the other ones are a food source, survival of the fittest, and they I, I don't know. So luckily we – Luckily or unluckily, I'm still torn. Um, we haven't had any babies yet, and that's something that we will continue to monitor. I would, I kind of think by this point we would have some, but we will see. You know, I don't know. I'm still waiting for that day. I shine the flashlight in there, look in, and see little feet. That would be kind of amazing. Horrifying at the same time, but kind of amazing. So that's where we're at with the Balfouri. They're still doing great. I'm pretty certain all nine are in there. I was able to count eight the other day, and I've said before when I've done my recap of them and when I've talked to other people about them, expect the expect the fact that you're never going to catch all of them out at once. It's I think it's only happened twice. I want to say twice that I've actually been able to count all nine of them, but they don't seem to... I've talked to a lot of people, but it always seems to be one of them missing, and then they go to do the rehousings, and they're there. They don't seem to spontaneously just eat one. There are cases, and I have spoken to people, where they've lost one, but there's no way to tell what happened to it. There's, honestly, I would find it odd if I had nine of them together, one of them disappeared, that it was cannibalism. Because you would think if they started cannibalism at that point and ate one, then somebody's going to go ahead and eat another one, and it would continue from there. That would be my thought on that. Who knows, though? We don't know enough about them yet, honestly. And that's why I'm hoping with all these, a lot of folks, somebody just contacted me today 
on a YouTube video and basically said, yeah, I'm brand new to the hobby. I have a B-Smithy. Um, I think it was an avicularia, avicularia, and I have a communal setup with 5M Balfouri. Not something I would normally recommend to beginners, but people are picking them up, and I think they'll probably do fine when they seem to be pretty laid back. So overall, it's going well. The The biggest thing that I can take out of this, the coolest thing I think was the growth rate. They lapped the ones I kept separately. I did have three separately beforehand, and they took a long time to reach the same size, probably about five years to reach the size these guys did after three years. It was just they grew much better. They ate much better. They didn't mind still eat during the winter, wherein the ones I kept separately, I had a hard time getting them to eat sometimes during the winter. That was kind of an issue. So a lot of I've seen many benefits. It's not just they're crammed together because I want to see a bunch of blue spiders in one spot and I'm doing it selfishly. I've seen benefits for them living in this environment. The one negative I've seen is that they don't seem to they they don't appear to be breeding right now or they don't appear to be producing sacks but we'll see how that one goes now moving on i've had people ask about my uh neo holothelli nc communal that's been kaput for a while and here's what i had with mine i think i had five of them together and i caught one of them when they were well fed plenty of food i did the setup where you didn't give them enough space because i've heard conflicting opinions both both ways. Some people say these, this is a species that you need to cram together so that they don't form their own territories. Other people say they've had better luck when you give them territories and they kind of ignore each other. So it's still, and I've literally heard of both working out. So I don't know what the correct formula is for it. The one standard thing that I've heard from many people is your best chance at having a successful and NC communal is to leave the babies with the mom and there will be some cannibalism it sounds like it's natural and a lot of times you know that's the smaller slings will get snatched up when you have slings molt from first instar to second instar and they start feeding usually what happens is the smaller ones are going to get eaten first so that i think some cannibalism is going to happen with these guys because i believe this is one species that it has been witnessed in the wild this is a natural occurrence for them balfouri have not been seen living communally in the wild yet so there are people that discount that they're actually true communal spiders but the insect, they're ones that we have seen, and they seem to be the species that everybody has the most problem with with cannibalism. So I basically came in one day. They had there were plenty of red runner roaches in there for them. I even named them. They're like pre-killed, dropped in, and one of them was trying to bite the other one. They were wrestling, so I pulled them all apart, and once again ended up with all males. So I am now with, and one of them did pass away. I did lose one. And then I had four left, four males. So I've now had seven NC males. So when people ask me about species that I'm a little gun-shy to keep again, the NCs are one. Uh, had terrible luck with that, and I really wanted a female this time around. But anyway, I did pull them apart because I did see signs of cannibalism, and I've said that with all of my communal setups if I see something start going south I'm not keeping them together now recently uh, anybody I've had a couple people ask me about this and again I don't like wading into these things because it's it's not about I don't like being part of controversy somebody said I try to I think one of my reviews somebody said I try to walk lines and try not to offend well that's I'm not here to offend honestly I, I when you start getting you know picking sides and and going hard against one side or the other that just turns people off that maybe you know you don't agree on this thing but would agree a lot other things my goal is to reach as many people possible with good information but recently i know petco from the dark den just had a bunch of uh, nncs he put together he had two communals and to just break it down there were a lot of casualties a lot of casualties and i've had several people either contact me you know through youtube or through my email asking me you know what are your thoughts on this and, and all i can say about this because again it, with 
my channel with my I'm not here to bash other people or to second guess other people but I can just tell you what I would do I would not have put them back together I mean that's it I I but I made that determination early on that if anything went bad in my communals I wouldn't put them back together so as evidenced by my original attempt at the NNC communal when I saw that there was any type of cannibalism and I only had five of them to begin with so it wasn't like I had a hundred and something that I put together and it you know they there was some cannibalism ended up with 75 and then they were fine after that we had five and one of them attacked the other one they're out I'm not doing that and I I've, I think I've made it clear before with some of the other you know reports on my communal setups especially when I was talking about the P Metallicas which I'll go into in a moment that there's a part of me that's excited about doing this and then there is a part of me that absolutely dreads the possibility that something bad could happen to them I do love my animals I don't ever want to needlessly put my animals in any type of jeopardy and there is an inherent risk when you set up a communal and that was something I really I had a hard hard time with it when I first agreed to do the Balfouri communal. But again, all the research, I've been looking to try out a communal. All the research said it was going to work well. And I looked at others like the NNC, like the H. Villacella, like the H. Gigas. I'd done all the research, tried to find the key because they all have these different, with the exception of the Balfouri, which it seems like people toss in any old size and do well with them. They all seem to have rules surrounding them and when I looked at the NNC that was one that kind of scared me because it seemed like for every one person that said yep it went great there was another person that said nope they ate each other so as you know as it pertains to that I'm not in agreement with it I mean I would not have put them back together I've already expressed this before the one good thing I can say that came out of that you know obviously a lot of spiders died and that's I don't think any of us ever want to see that but I know a lot of people now that are going to be a bit more wary to start a communal setup because one of the things I worried about when I started doing these was the fact that people were going to go, oh, Tom Moran's doing one, so now I can do one and not do any of the research and not know the risks and not know the rules. It was just going to go out and throw things together, and it was very important for me that people didn't do that right away. I was kind of doing this as a, all right, let's see what happens. Let's see what some of the pitfalls may be as evidenced by my aborted and NC communal. So I think the good thing is, is I'm seeing people once again realize that there can be an ugly side when you try to keep tarantulas communally. Now, unfortunately, it's also it's kind of had a little splashback on me because I had somebody come on to my M. Balfouri video. It was actually two different comments on two different M. Balfouri videos, but saying, I don't know if you saw the video that, on Dark Den, but you're going to end up with a bunch of dead spiders. And it bothered me because then I have to break down the difference between the species and, and things of that nature. And it's like, no, that, that's really not comparable. You have to take it species by species. So that was a little bit annoying. But um, again, with the communals, you need to know, and anybody listening to this, you need to know there are inherent risks. And if you're like me, and one of them, you know, God forbid, one of them ends up dying as a result of something like this, you're going to take it hard. And I would have put it forward. I would have been, I do like the fact, and I will say, he could have easily not talked about them again. He could have split them up and a year down the road went, oh yeah, by the way, here are some of my, I separate him and here are some of them. And he did show it, which I do think there is merit to that because again, people need to see these examples of what happens when it goes wrong. And, and that was a prime example. I think he started off, I, I don't know the exact numbers. He started off with like 15 and one of them, I think he had seven and one he had four. I don't want to exaggerate. I don't have the video up right now, but those are some pretty heavy losses. And they, I think part of it was they were smaller enclosures, but they were good sized spiders. And when he pulled them out, that might be a thing that might have, there probably should have been a rehouse earlier. I don't know. 
But that's really – that's all I have to say about it, honestly. I, I, I wouldn't have done it myself. I try to lead by example. And again, I try to keep I, – I steer out of the controversy because I don't need it. I try to keep things positive and I don't need a big you know back and forth between things. Everybody's – there's stuff that I have done, quite frankly, that people have pointed out. I had the one where I tried to – flush out, do the flood method for a C. lividus that I put up because I had had several people say, you should use the flood method, you should use the flood method, and I've had problems with it working. And I put that one up. And I will tell you right now that there are people that have come on, it's, the video has been kind of the pain in my existence because there's people that come on that know me and go, man, that that didn't go well. I'm glad it turned out okay in the end. And there's people that that's the first video they see of mine. And they're like, this guy's an idiot. And honestly, if I had been like popped on somebody's channel and somebody said, check out Tom's Big Spiders, and that's the first video I saw, I probably would have been like, wow, this guy's an idiot. Of course, if you read my description, I try to explain it more. But anyway, I, we all screw up. We all do stuff wrong. Uh, I applaud him for putting it on. I mean, I, that's something that I would have had a hard time posting. I would have posted it, but would have known full well that I was going to take a ration of crap. And quite frankly, I think it all comes down to you have to look at the body of work. And if there is a history of somebody that does irresponsible things and doesn't seem to care for their animals, well, then you've got your answer. That's maybe not somebody you want to follow. If you go through other videos and you look through other materials and go, wow, this was kind of an anomaly, then maybe you give the person the benefit of the doubt and you move on and you go, all right, this is not this is not representative of their body of work. So I think it's up for people to have critical minds go through and make decisions for themselves. But that's pretty much all I can say about that. Not something I would have done or I would have pulled them apart and kept them apart and it would have been it. So anyway, that's it for that. Moving on to the next species, we're going to go into Pizlotherium metallica. I obviously have the communal of those. We started off with 10. And if you remember, one of the, the, the earlier observations was the fact that they weren't putting on size at the same rate. Like the Embalfori, for example, they were all putting on size the same rate. One, one of them was three inches. They were all three inches. They all grew at basically the same rates. Well, with the Pizlotherium metallica, what we found was that they weren't putting on. We had some of them that were really large. So we had like three of them were really large. Then we had like four of them were kind of medium size. And then we had the runts, for lack of a better term. And as it went along, some of the middle ones kind of caught up to the bigger ones. The bigger ones kind of slowed down a little bit. So we had a group of about, I would say, seven or eight. I'm still trying to figure out if we lost one along the way. I've not counted all 10. I, When I did the rehousing, I lost track of how many I have. I thought I had 10, but it looked like we're going to assume there's 10 there. The majority of them were decent size, and then there were two little teeny tiny ones. And then one of the little teeny tiny ones put on some more size, and then there was one really small one, one super tiny one. So basically to encapsulate what I did is I immediately, I ended up plucking out one that was about an inch and a quarter. Now at this point, the other ones were three inches. She, it was bizarre watching these guys feed because you had a bunch of them that were larger and had their adult colorations. They were showing that blue. And then you had these two small ones, one that was really small, like a little sling. It was like watching a sling roam around with adults and they didn't hurt it. There's a sling would kind of dart in between or try to avoid the bigger ones, but it would still find food and it seemed to be doing okay. But I wanted to kind of, it got bizarre and it was kind of a freak show and it was making me nervous because I was thinking even if they don't eat it, it's, it, could it get crushed? I mean, it was really small. I say it, there was actually, it ended up being two, but there was one that was particularly small. So I plucked that one out, put it in a little Amok box and closure uh, several months ago, about eight months ago, wanted to see if it picked up, you know, any size or anything. Well, it has not. It actually has continued this low growth rate. So one of the things I was trying to figure out was 
were these legitimate runts? And I grew up on farm. You have animals that grow, you know, more slowly. They start out smaller. Even when you provide, when the human in, intervenes and provides the resources that they would be normally fighting for in nature, they still grow more slowly and sometimes don't achieve the, the same size as their siblings or whatever. So was it a run situation or was it because the resources? And I didn't think it was for lack of resources because I was dropping in, you know, it got to one point where I'd be dropping in large roaches for the big ones and then little ones for the small ones. So there was always appropriately sized prey items for them and they seemed to be grabbing them. They seemed to be eating. They just weren't growing as quickly. So now I pulled this one out months ago and it has molted once in that time period where the other ones have molted two or three times and put on even more size. So it seems to be a genetic thing. Or, I don't know, maybe it was stunted early on because it was competing for resources with its siblings and now it's like permanently stunted. I don't know, but it has not accelerated the growth rate by taking it out. And that was one of the things I was looking at. So later on, after pulling that one out, I noticed it was another one that was slightly larger, but again, compared to its siblings, much, much smaller. So eventually I pulled that one out a little more recently, about four months ago, and that one's eating well, again, like the other little one is, but it hasn't molted yet. I'm getting those long pre-molts like I did with my original P. Metallica. And that was another thing I was kind of looking at with these guys. The first P. Metallica I got, Billy actually got it for me for my birthday years ago, and it was a little like three-quarter inch sling. And unlike my other P. Solitharia species, this one wasn't as good of an eater. It was a little more shy. I had had to resort to doing pre-killed where the other ones were like voracious eaters right off the back and drop anything in. And then it would take like, I remember it took several months off during, I believe it was the winter where it stopped eating for a bit. And then I thought it was in pre-molt, waited, waited, waited. It wasn't, it wasn't eating anything. I was having to pull the stuff out the next day. And then one day I dropped something in and it ate again. And it started eating again for a couple more weeks and then went into actual pre-molt and then finally molted like two months later. So there was a huge stretch of about nine months where it barely ate and didn't molt and didn't do anything, which I found very interesting because my other piece of Letharia species were all great eaters, grew quickly. This guy took forever, this girl, she's a female, took forever to get her adult colors. I remember being like, I had a P. regalis that went from an inch in that, around that same time period, went from an inch to a full-grown mature male, and this thing had just hit like the three-inch spot. It was that much of a, a difference in growth rates. So now I'm seeing that, all right, I've got some that grew super fast and seemed to benefit almost from this communal setup. They seem more brazen. They ate better. They're more active. I see them out more. Some days I come in there and I catch like five or six of them sitting on the glass right out in the open, even with the lights on. And then there were a couple that didn't do so well and that they were smaller. They're doing great now. I mean, they're, they're healthy. They're just literally one of them looks like it could be like a fourth in star sling where the other ones, I have one now that's I think four and a half inches long, big, beautiful blue girl. So anyway, the ones in the communal setup, it's, I, 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 it was one of the species that I read that you need to keep closer together because the theory behind it is that in the wild, they're suffering for hab from habitat loss. And what's happening is they're congregating to the same, you know, crooks of trees in the same area because there isn't as much territory. So they've learned to kind of put up with each other. So the idea is you don't want to give them too, too much space so they don't create their own territories and become territorial and start fighting. So they basically all hide behind this cork bark. I have them in an 8 by 8 by 12 container. Now, when I moved them into this, there was originally the 10, the, I believe the full 10, and there was plenty of room to grow. Well, this was maybe six, seven months ago, eight months ago, uh, tops. They've already, they're probably outgrown this. So it's going to be time to rehouse them soon. I would be lying if I said I was looking forward to it. I'm running through the possible scenarios in my head because one of the things I like to do is kind of play out every possible 
thing that could happen, like good, good, bad, ugly. What are we looking at? What I have to put them in, I think, is I've had this enclosure I set up as a bioactive. Oh, God, about seven months ago, I think it was the beginning of the summer, where I picked up a 12 by 12 by 14, 12 by 12 by 18, one of those big um, exoterra type things, like with the front opening and the top opening, whatever, big, beautiful enclosure. And I set it up with a cork background and some logs coming out of the background and really didn't know what I was doing. It was supposed to be my fancy bioactive and then realized what I was trying to do with it was kind of impractical. So it's been kind of just sitting there. And that was kind of what I was eyeing to be their new home. So that's what we're going to do. I've set it up. And I think what we're going to end up doing is trying to pluck out that the piece of cork bark that's already in there with them, I think a lot of them will be clinging to that. And I'm going to try to take that out and carefully put it into the new one, hopefully get a lot of them there and then try to cut the other ones. We'll see how it goes. I'm still running my this through my mind. But the idea is to put them in that and that will be their final enclosure. We'll see how that goes. And then I'll get a good count on them because there's either... Right now, there's either eight in there or seven. I've never been able to catch. Most of them been able to count as seven, but they have kind of a tunnel underneath the cork bark. And a lot of times they cram in there and you can't really see them very well. So I will see when we open it up if we did indeed lose one along the way. I wouldn't think it would have been from cannibalism because I've seen nothing. I've, a couple times I saw one of them grab food from the other one, but again, it was kind of like the M. Balfouri. It wasn't aggressive toward the spider. It was more like, I want that cricket you have or I want that roach you have, but it's been fine uh, besides that. So that one is looming on the horizon, and I'm telling you, I... I keep running. I go in the room and I look at that big aquarium and I look at the the one they're in and I remember how many spiders are hiding because a lot of times they'll hide behind that cork bark. And I'm thinking, man, this is going to be a nightmare because one pokey can give you, you know, fits. And now we're going to try to do eight. They're pretty good size, four inches or so without having them get spooked because all I can picture is all the worst case scenario, all of them get spooked at once. And that's going to be just cap that thing, put it back on the shelf and wait another day. We'll see how it goes. And honestly, this is one of those times where I wish I didn't have a YouTube channel because I really don't want the extra distraction of having the cameras there when I rehouse and I was giving serious thought like Billy and I were talking about and there's been a couple times where it's just like you know what I need to concentrate I don't need the cameras and I need Billy's help like she's always an extra set of hands when I do this stuff and I'm thinking this is going to be one of the ones I might call my 25 year old to come over and give me a hand on it because it's going to be all hands on deck because the big thing is not so much I'll be dealing with the spiders in the immediate you know the, the enclosures in that area I could see Billy on camera on standby what I'll probably do is set up a stationary camera just in case she has to put hers down so we still have something but then just in case one of them bolts from the main area having somebody that can it, in the very least I don't think I'd have him handle it or try to catch it but be able to say all right it's under the table or it's here not that I foresee that happening I hope it doesn't happen one of the reasons I do do the rehousings on a table is because they can go you know it, it doesn't sound ideal but in theory they're not going to jump on the floor and run and go under a heater they're going to go underneath the table and you can cup them that way so again it's one of those things and and for some of the more stressful rehousings I tend to fixate 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 and then what happens is one weekend I'm like all right that's it we're doing it and I'm thinking of trying it this weekend we'll see how it goes we have a, the long you know, Thanksgiving break and it would be a good time to get it done and everything's gonna be nice and clean because we have company coming over. So it'll be a, a, an excellent time to try it. And I will, I, I almost feel obligated to tape this one because I think people need to see what they're dealing with, honestly, because I've had some people that have been like, oh, that looks really cool, but they need to understand that it's, it's really cool right up to the point where you have to move them. And then it's not so cool anymore. Then it's kind of a nightmare. Unless you're the guy that came on and said, just pick them all up with your hands and put them in there. And if you get a bite, who cares? I've been bit a million times man up. I, I did get that quote a couple times, which I love when people equate manliness to the ability to take a bite from a 
tarantula. Never knew growing up. My dad never taught me that one. I thought there were other things that make you a man, you know, like being a good husband, father, whatever. But anyway, I digress. It just always cracks me up when the Neanderthals come on and make comments like that. It's like, all right, you want to go get bit and go to the hospital? That's great for you. I'm not an idiot. So that one's coming up. Obviously, there'll be a full commentary on it after the fact. Hopefully, it goes smoothly, and my commentary for the podcast will just be, hey, guess what, guys? We moved them all over. It went great, and pop over to YouTube to see the video of it. I I honestly hope to not get a lot of podcast and video material for this that people can go and watch the train wreck of Tom trying to rehouse a young adult piece of etheria. I, I would rather not have that, but we'll see how it goes. Fingers crossed. Everybody pray for me that it goes well, and we'll obviously have an update on that. And finally, to round this one off, we're not going to talk about tarantulas for this one. So for those of you that only want tarantula stuff, you can probably tune out here, but I have my Titius stigmuris communal, which are my Brazilian reds or my reds, Brazilian red scorpions or something like that. Rather hot species of scorpion, but I found them to be rather laid back. When I did my last rehousing, I didn't get a single, nobody struck, nobody grabbed me with their claws. They just tried to get away from me. So I haven't found them to be particularly defensive. But I currently have mine in an 8x8x8 Exoterra Nano short or whatever it is, the smaller ones, in a, well, (laughs) it was originally a bioactive setup, but the one little plant I put a wandering Jew plant in there isn't doing particularly well because I think they traipse over it all the time. But anyway, I counted the other day, I think there was 15 of them in there. There could have been more. They're doing well. They're fattening up. And it looks like many of them are reaching sexual maturity. So we're going to be keeping an eye on this is a species that can uh, reproduce parthenogenetically, which means they don't have to have a male. The females can just spontaneously produce a clutch of babies, which is fascinating. I had That's where I got these from. There were two different clutches from my older female who has since passed. But th- just amazing to watch. However, it's kind of like the scene in Gremlins where... Spike goes and jumps in the swimming pool, probably dating myself with that one. Older folks will get this one. Kids will be like, what is he talking about when he jumps in the pool and they all come out? That's kind of what it will feel like if all of these end up having little clutches because I'll go from having 15 to, you know, I don't know, 150. We'll see how it goes. So anyway, kind of curious because I've heard people, again, talk about the fact that when they're kept closer together, you don't get as much of the parthenogenetic reproduction. I know my female by herself had plenty of, you know, two clutches by herself, no problem. Three clutches by herself, I think, at the end, because I gave away or four. It was it was a lot. She was having them like every several months or so. And since I've got these guys together, I have some bigger ones in there that haven't done this yet. So we'll see how it goes. But so far, they're doing great. Love watching those little buggers go around and hunt. And the cool part is, like, there are species or one of the animals I keep that when you turn off the lights at night, if you come back in like an hour later with a flashlight, they're all out and about looking for prey. It's really kind of cool. Other than that, they usually hide under cork bark. And when I want to check on them, I just have to carefully go in there with the tongs, lift a couple pieces up, and you can find them all underneath hiding. It's really kind of cool. But they've been doing great, still doing well. I'll see if they slow down a little bit for the winter. I do have to keep those ones moist, so it's have to make sure I moisten down the substrate. Sometimes I'll spray the sides a little bit, and you'll see them come out and drink. But they're doing great as well. That's the only other communal I currently have at the moment. So... There we go. Those are my three current communal setups. There are some things I'd like to try in the future. I I still want to do an H. villicella one. That was one of the species I was eyeing from the get-go, and I just uh, love the the webbing, and I've seen some setups that look just absolutely gorgeous. So in the future, I'll probably try something with those. I don't know if I'll honestly try anything ever with the H. gigas. I've had a lot of people ask me about it, but those are big spiders. I have two girls, and they're, they're big spiders. That's going to be a huge, you know, space commitment to set that up, depending on how many I start with. 
So I don't know if I'll ever go that route, but you know, feel free if you've done one to share what you've seen with them. I know there's been successful ones. Again, I think those that's one of the species that you kind of need to keep them in a tighter area, and it's best to start with slings that have never been separated. But you know, if anyone has experience, please again feel free to chime in. We'd love to hear from you. So I think that will about do it for this special extra edition of Tom's Big Spiders, the podcast. Again, I hope you guys enjoyed it and. I appreciate anybody that takes the time out to listen to it. Hopefully not on Thanksgiving. Hopefully you guys are enjoying time with family and good food and drink and whatever. But, you know, maybe before the weekend. I've still got to do the one for the weekend, which we will be talking about our Pactra Pulcher Peas and possibly revisiting the whole mail thing again because my buddy, Louis Roquet, who is fantastic and always provides me with these wonderful documents and and scientific papers that talk about some of the topics I talk about has provided me with a couple things that I'd really like to go through because they, they shed some interesting light on that whole thing. This is actual scientific experiments, not just, you know, hobbyists reporting what they see in their collections. So maybe we'll talk a little bit about that as well, because I do think it's an interesting topic that deserves a little more of a spotlight shine on it. And I think people are interested in hearing about it, especially those who have aspirations of breeding. So That will about do it for this one, guys. Everybody out there, please have a happy and safe Thanksgiving, and we'll catch you guys all next time.